Hey yo, hey yo, listen. Yo, what's good? You're listening to Sin. 90.7. Hip, hip hop, hip hop anonymous. Damn you! You get hit the easy one. You're listening to Sin Hip Hop. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Sin Hip Hop with myself, Tom. This is your wonderful Wednesday evening show, Sin Hip Hop, and we are joined today by an incredible artist. He is a producer, multi-instrumentalist, and sometimes a rapper, the wonderful Joelistics. Thank you for joining Sin Hip Hop tonight. Hey, bro. How are you? Very, very nice. All the better that you're here. And just, just quickly, do you have a preferred title? You know, do you want to be an artist, producer, multi-instrumentalist? Is there something that you would like, you know, really want to be or something you just prefer? Um, I don't have a preferred title. I guess I'm a slashy in the true sense. Like I have a lot of different hats that I wear. These days, I'm, you know, in the bio, I say sometimes rapper because I only really rap to my one-year-old daughter at the moment. Most of the time, I do still write a lot of lyrics for other artists, but it's rare that I'm rapping. Um, yeah, you know, in comparison to how it used to be. But probably producer is the one I f- feel like I can own the most at the moment. But yeah, man, I, I, I'm wearing them all, wearing all the hats. It, 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 you know what? Jack of all trades is 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 the saying. It's perfect. You're ready to go yeah. into any any area. It's awesome. Um, yeah. b- before we you know really get underway, we we can't not talk about the new album, uh, Jolly Sticks Presents Film School. I believe you've been working on it since 2016 as well. You know how excited were you to finally release the album? Um, I was not excited. I was literally just f- like forcing myself to finish it. And it, it was not, this project has been ticking away in the background. Um, so, you know, and since 2016, I've written a theatre show. I've worked with Moju. I've produced for Haiku Hands. I've been doing some composing for certain things. And this film school project has always been ticking along in the background and I and I just because it's more formless and improvised and a bit more um yeah like there's less song based like kind of structure to it um it was really easy to just like disappear in a waft of um you know of of kind of weird sounds and and you know studio toys and so um I kind of finished the record during lockdown and uh, yeah, you, you remember that time in Melbourne, like it was really insular. It was, you wouldn't see people in the street. Like I would, my studio is really close to my house. So I would be like kind of walking up here um, and just diving into this, um, into this sonic world and really like wrestling with the ideas. It didn't come easy. And I even listened back to the record now and I'm like, ah, should have changed that, should have changed that, should have changed that. But, you know, because in a way it also feels like the perfect extension of that time for me. Um, um, Lua had just come along, so I was pretty sleep deprived. You know, it had all of that ambient anxiety and paranoia that the first lockdown had. Like, you know, there's a there's a degree of it suiting the time that it was produced in. Um, but, yeah, there's a part of me that also is just like, I am glad that is done i am moving on <laughs> and it, it is a bit of a departure from your last album such as uh, blue volume um mm-hmm. was that something you, you've always wanted to do something you've just purely wanted to produce rather than more of the singing yes absolutely i have um 
I mean, production is something that um, I feel I've gotten way better at over the last, since Blue Volume, which Blue Volume's a long time, it's like 2014, 2015. So, you know, that's now, a, that album is long in the tooth and I feel like my production has just gotten better and better. And in a way, um, my connection to hip hop has gotten deeper, but it also feels like, um, my love for mu other styles of music has also gotten deeper at the same time. So reaching towards, um, you know, traditional Chinese music and jazz and weird beat electronica stuff and um, all of that has been brought in. But it, to me, it's still hip hop as well. Like to me, the beauty of the form that I fell in love with was its ability to sort of encompass everything and borrow, sample, recontextualize, cannibalize all of those different styles. So um yeah if if you were to ask me the style of the record i'd still call it a hip-hop record like an instrumental hip-hop record but um for some of my friends it's a psych rock record or it's leans more into you know a, a, a an art music record so um yeah it's um yeah i can't even remember what your question was <laughs> all right we'll move on it's okay um do you prefer uh producing music for yourself or do you, do you become more creative when you're trying to you know producing for another artist uh this is a good question i um i think there's a different creativity at play when you're producing for someone else because you're helping to realize someone else's vision so as a beat maker if i'm working with a rapper for instance um it's a lot about trying to find um like for me to find out where they're at where they're at in terms of where their last release was, where they're trying to get to, you know, I mean, every artist I know wants to kind of build on where they've been, but head into and break new ground or perfect certain things that they're doing. Um, and I love being a part of that process. Um, when I'm writing for myself as a vocalist or as an artist, it's a bit more um, fraught. Like it's a little bit, I feel a bit more um, like I get into a place where into a place where I might overthink something. And I don't feel like I have that problem when I'm working with our other artists. I feel a lot clearer about it because I've got a, a step, I'm one step removed from having to go on tour it, from having to promote it, from having to make film clips for it. But when it's my work, I'm like, ah, oh, no, you know, like it's gotta be this. Oh no, wait, it's gotta be this. And so it, it kind of goes through a few more um, lives and metamorphosis when it's my own stuff. And, you know, like, I guess that's the thing is also, you know, I'm constantly um, re falling back in love with the art of being a beat maker or the art of rapping or the art of um, writing songs like three chords and the truth kind of songs. Like it's because I'm such a music lover. I love music. I fucking, I love music. It's something that I, excuse my language. It's something that I feel passionate about this. It is, it is, given so much and is such a generous form that I, you know, I return to it in so many different um, genres and styles and eras. And um, it, I'm always wanting to explore new things. And I, and I really think that, um, yeah, I could just as easily be writing a, a kind of downbeat dub record next week as I could be working with an indie band that wants to, you know, only, have drums and feedback um i feel as passionately excited by as all those forms so is it easier to write for other people yes in a way it is 
do you feel more like hard on yourself when you're creating or producing for your own self? Like, do you, does it come to a point where you're like, I want this to be perfect. And because you're so in love with your music and you just want to produce, you just want it to be perfect for yourself. Is that something that, that that's hard for you or that? Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. I, I've got a theory that when you start writing a piece of music, um, you hit a point where you're so every, all the options are open. Like it's, you haven't closed off all of the doors and how it's going to be. And so it's when you tip over into the world of like finalizing the, the composition, like the form and you're mixing it and then you have to master it. And slowly you're shutting these doors of what that piece of music might be. And um, so I don't feel like I'm hard on myself, but I definitely, um, I probably try to keep the doors of potential open longer when it's me for, for my stuff. Um, and yeah, I find it a little bit harder to be as as to, 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 to be as decisive. So, you know, um, because like songs are, you know, songs kind of open up over time. And like the more you work on it, the more you're like, oh, wow. And yeah, and then it can do this and then we can add this and we can go here. And 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 I think, you know, the easier thing about working with other people is you get deadlines and they're just like, it's got to be finished by this date. And so you're like, oh, cool. OK, well, that's whatever I can get done in that time. That's what it is. And um, you know, um, yeah, but I try not to be too uh, hard on myself or like rigid about what something has to be. I like to sit, sort of the the older and more I do this, the more I want to like let let the music open up and kind of yeah, it might be something I didn't think of at the beginning. That was a beautiful answer. I could just listen to that all day. Um, uh, thanks, man. Now I, I believe you're a lover of canto pop. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if lover of canto, collector of canto pop. I find it pretty painful sometimes. Like, but like most things produced in the seventies or late sixties and seventies, the canto pop hit this really sweet spot where, um, and when we say canto pop, I, that's my shorthand for the sort of pop music from Taiwan, Hong Kong, even Thailand, Cambodia, um, that sort of East Asian region was had a really really cool scene of music that was where they were getting records um in no small part because of the vietnam war and then soldiers bringing over like funk and soul records and and that filtering into the local industries but also it was just you know that was the the spirit of the times they were listening to lots of motown and and lots of james brown and then translating that and often rewriting songs or doing weird covers but singing in um cantonese or in mandarin and obviously being half Chinese, like for me, that's that's just a singular thing where I'm like, oh, my parents were living in uh, Malaysia at the time and they would have been listening to this music. And so there's some connection to them and then, you know, and then to, I guess, my my Chinese heritage and the fact that it also de deals or delves into the funk and like, but the funk is kind of got that weird sort of Asian, you know, lilt or, or off kilter vibe to it often it's not as tight you know it's just so it's yeah it's a real there's a really interesting um era of music that you know for anyone who samples as well it's like you know you just talk to people who go go digging for records like you're often looking for unique things and you might find that in um, music that isn't from america or england or australia you know you want to find stuff from around the world i do anyway i find that stuff really interesting indian music as well like india had this crazy funk scene you know um bollywood funk scene 
and I just I just love music that hasn't been dominated by sort of colonial Western mindsets. Has that been super influential on you in say your development as a producer and wanting to create music? Like, do you take inspiration from from that from those genres and those those albums? Not like yes, but more I see it as like great stuff to sample. <laughs> um, it's not that I'm like influenced by the compositional ideas or the playing, although that yeah, I mean, look to be honest, yes, I actually am influenced by that because there is some really crazy playing and. But there's, I guess there's artists like Onra and even like Rizza, like they used samples and Madlib, obviously, like using these kind of, I hate the term world music, but music from around the world from different eras that then made its way into a hip hop format. To me, that is really exciting. And I, I think I'm, I'm probably done with hearing sample based tracks based off a of 60s or 70s funk jam, like I love that stuff. Like, you know, that's like eating a good burger, but there's a point where you're like, ah, I've eaten, I've, I've dined at this diner a lot and it's nice to try other new stuff. So um, yeah, I, um, I am influenced by it, but maybe more as a curious curiosity of the scene or something rather than stylistically. Look, we're going to move on to something super important that you're getting involved in next Wednesday, 2nd of June. You will yeah. be headlining FOJAM, the Festival of Jewish Arts and Music. Can yeah. you give us a bit of a rundown about FOJAM and the upcoming Spun Stories event that you're going to be performing at? Um, so the Spun Stories thing, I think, is, is the format is like um, the moth where you have a bunch of um, invited people uh, speakers and people who are telling stories or doing poetry or doing songs and they've given us all a kind of um topic to work from and the topic is um is this my story to tell so this is which i think is a really pertinent and really awesome kind of jump jump off spot which is you know in, in an age where more than ever um you need to be conscious of your bias and your context and who you are in terms of what stories you tell and you know not in terms of like no one's telling you can't you know tell any story you want using your imagination but I think you're going to be held accountable to that a lot more now um, and I guess it, you know when we look at popular culture and it's been so dominated by kind of like like stories from dudes like just the male gaze um and it's been so dominated by by white people and it's been so dominated by the west and like you know i guess uh that paradigm is shifting and people are saying well wait a second why isn't that that part in that film that's about a trans woman why is that not being played by a trans woman you know that would bring an authenticity to the role and it's one of the few times where that would probably be um an opportunity for someone to see something that might have put them in a minority or caused them like a lot of dis distress in society that's an upper hand and why would that go to the next white dude who wants to do something edgy do you know what i mean so anyway i think it's a really pertinent discussion um i've tried to approach my piece um from a really personal place because i am kind of born in between two cultures. My dad's Chinese and my mum is Anglo-Australian or Anglo so-called Australian. So um, I have always felt like I, but you know, have traversed like different places uh, and never entirely fit into any one place. 
And so I do feel this topic deeply. Um, I also wrote a theater show with a friend of mine named James Mungo. He, we wrote a piece called In Between Two, which was about growing up Eurasian in Australia in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s and our love for hip hop. Um, and this piece that has ended up, I've ended up writing for FOJAM is actually um, was based on a really, a real life incident. I had a dream um, where I was conversing with my pawpaw, my, my dad's mother, my grandmother, my Chinese grandmother. And she was asking me, she was actually taking me to task about the piece of theater that I made about her life that involved some of her story. And she's like, why are you telling my story? Why are you in the year 2020 or whatever it was actually four years ago and then the year 2016 telling my story that began in um, the early 20th century? You know, what, what, what right do you have? And so the piece is actually our conversation. It's a little bit, you know, based on a real event, but also I've extrapolated on that. And I find it, yeah, it's been really satisfying writing, like, um, and kind of asking those questions. Cause you know, I mean, uh, this stuff is real, this stuff, the, the idea that, um, that you can just get away with, you know, just writing or talking for someone else these days. It's a, you can't get away with that, sh that stuff anymore. So you seem extremely passionate about it and it's so nice to see that you you're putting in so much effort for it. I can't wait to actually see it come to come to life. Mm. And is this something that you got approached to do or you heard what they were doing at Forajam and you approached them being like, I need to be a part of this. Uh, no, I got approached. I mean, they asked me to, to come and participate and um, I was really interested in it. It really, the, the, the premise they put forward was something that I was, uh, it, it sparked my imagination and I was like, I, I want to write to this. So, um, yeah, so um, I hadn't, wasn't fully over the, I didn't know what, what FOJAM was before this um, uh, or what spun stories the, this particular event was. But since learning about it, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is totally rad. And, and it's, I guess it's coming from a place of promoting diversity and it's promoting stories and it's promoting um a society that is that is made stronger from difference rather than you know you have to be we have to be blah 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 or whatever so it feels like a good place to good thing to support it is incredible to support and joel thank you so much for joining us tonight on sin hip-hop before we right. leave though where can our listeners find you your music and where can they find more information about your performance at fojam um well you can head to i believe there's a uh there's a website for FOJAM for this particular event, um, which is happening on the Wednesday the 2nd at Howler. Um, and if you want to find out more about Jolistics, um, there's always Spotify, um, Instagram, Jolistics. Uh, there's joelmar.com is my website. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, I encourage your listeners to go to the FOJAM event and, and for people who love words, love stories or love, um, you know, kind of fierce debate, I think they'll get something out of, out of this event for sure. Awesome. Everyone out there, please go to FOJAM or just look it up and, you know, get more involved and just yeah. appreciate what's happening. Thank you so much again for joining us today on Scene Hip Hop. Awesome. It, it was a pleasure to speak to you today. You're an incredible person and can't wait to hear your story at FOJAM as well. Great. Thanks, Tom. 
Peace. That wraps up that interview, Sin Hip Hop Fam. But don't you worry, there's plenty more. You can always listen into our show from 8 p.m. every Wednesday on 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. In the meantime, have a look at our socials. Just search Sin Hip Hop on Instagram, Facebook, and Omni.